Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Hi, everybody. This is great, isn't it? So are you guys representing the, the core of this, of this ministry here, this church? Oh, they're not. Okay, so you're... Who are we talking to? Just uh, area pastors uh, uh, from Ludington, right? Uh, this guy, pastor, young guy, his, him and his wife, pastor church. Uh, they just started here in Kalamazoo, and oh, they, they church in Kalamazoo for three years. Just started another church in Grand Rapids, a church planting churches. Dan, boom, <laughs> uh, yeah, and some of the guys from Kentucky from the Partners in Harvest. Uh, uh, you pastor the. Uh, intense church there, right? <laughs> and any other pastors? Some leaders from some area networks? Oh, yeah, InterVarsity. Woo! Great. And uh, uh, so, how are you folks over there? I don't know where you're from. You're here because you love the Lord. All right. Praise God. And then the rest are a mix of uh, members. Uh, some uh, New Life, all right, fantastic. New Life is a revival church up in Grand Rapids that uh, uh, we kind of related to. Battle Creek. Okay, House of Prayer, fantastic. So, yeah, good mixture. Very good. Where are you from? Where? Okay. Well, welcome. Good that we can spend some time together, isn't it? Did you enjoy his testimony? Yeah. We, we thought we were going to be on time today, and we came in 10 minutes late still. I mean, what's up with that? But, but anyway, um, I, I don't think I've ever heard that testimony, Cameron. And it's really, really good. I think um, on, the, on the back of that, we should just bless you. So come on up here for a minute. And, See, you can't, you can't really testify without getting prayer. You know? Okay. It just doesn't seem right to me. Oh! Okay. And uh, <laughs> see, he, he, he's, he's sort of on the hotel floor or on the church floor at the door. And uh, he's like, oh, everybody's going to know. Yeah. Imagine when this, when this hits again. and. Boom. See, there was no Facebook back there. or You'd have been all over Facebook for that one, right? Stretch your hand out and bless him and say, get him, God. Say the M word. 53%. Yeah, double it on him, Lord. Bless him, Jesus. Thank you for this amazing brother who loves you with all his heart. Even more. Oh. I'm normally not like this. <laughs> oh, too bad. <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing, but after 22 years, people still have lots of questions about the manifestations. And if you have those questions, please ask them because... We have to get past that. And uh, but maybe suffice it to say that God is very powerful. Yeah. And when he touches you, the miracle is you live through it. 
right? How many know God's powerful? How many know he likes to touch people? And so can you think of people in the Bible who got touched? Like who? Isaiah, what happened to him? He fell down and... Wasn't it Isaiah went around without clothes for a while, was it? I think Isaiah did too. So we haven't had that one. No, so that's good. Thank you, Lord. But we've had a lot of them, and, uh, and people laughing at the door is actually quite common. And, you know, we're trying to work out what, what's with the door. You know, why is it at the door? And then somebody said, well, Jesus is the door. And we're like, see, the kids figure it out. The children get it. And we're like, what? You know. So, yeah, interesting. At the door, Cameron. More at the door. And so, uh, yeah, but Paul was blinded, and uh, Ezekiel, uh, Zechariah, rather, could not talk. And that was all the Holy Spirit. So you can't use that scripture decently and in order to nix all the things the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because decent and in order is for you, uh, like self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. That is for you to control yourself. And it's in a sin context, you know, like don't sin, control yourself. But it's never intended for you to control what the Holy Spirit may want to do. Because him we ought to be able to trust and just say, you drive. And I'll go along for the ride. Right? So, anyway, great to be in Michigan. We've had a good time here already. And uh, Q&A, so let's, let's go. You have a question? Yeah. Um, before, the, before the outbreak... Did you, in your spirit, sense it coming? Did you, did you have a knowing that something was on the horizon? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is, is it, is it similar to what we're sensing today? It is, actually. Um, you know, we've been trying to believe God for more for a long, long time, 40 years. Because we knew there was more. Like Catherine Kuhlman had more. John Wimber had more. We wanted more. Yeah? Benny Hinn had more. And so we were, but how do you get in on it? That was the, that was the challenge. And then uh, we, we, um, we had prophetic words that more was coming. Suddenly, we were at our summer camp, which was the highlight of our years back then in the late 80s and early 90s, where the Holy Spirit would move, and we would just start ramping up over a two-week period. You know, people would come from one week or the second week, mostly. Some came for two weeks, like, but it would just be up, 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 and then it would end. Yeah, right. And everybody would go home, and that was the end of it, you know? And so I'm kind of grieving over that, going, oh, God, how can we have summer camp all year long? And I was thinking about um, um, protracted meetings and revival and how did they do it back then. And you kind of rationalize it and say, well, you know, they were, they were farming and they had lots of kids so people could get away. And uh, stay-at-home moms mostly. And, you know, there, there was just some flexibility. But in today's world, 
people are working two jobs and they're go, 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 and there's, there's just no chance of having protracted meetings. And so that was the dilemma. And then Mark DuPont, just out of the blue, we'd, we'd been out for lunch, we were at summer camp, we are coming back, and right in the middle of the parking lot, he, he starts off with this amazing prophecy about Niagara Falls and the Lord's going to pour out like Niagara Falls and it's going to break up the rocks and the hard places and it's going to do this and going to do that and God's going to use you and you'll be speaking to thousands. And, you know, it was just on and on. Wes Campbell was there. He pulls out his tape recorder and he's taping it, you know. And to me, it sounded like you're going to the moon. I'm like, well, whatever. Uh, can't make that one happen. Uh, we just put it on the pile. And then we had Stacy Campbell came in October and prophesied again that uh, it was going to be very strong, very intense. It was just with Wesley. He remembers verbatim what she said. He just recited it all to me again. But again, it's like, really? Because, you know, you, 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 you can only rev up your engine so many times. And then it's like, okay, well, let them do it then. And we'd had little, little pockets of good things happening, you know, little spurts of it here and there. We had one in Stratford in our church there that uh, petered out rather quickly because of some dumb things I did. But, um, but that, that was kind of the story. And we went to Argentina. We got prayer for Claudio Friesen prayer from him, an impartation from him, and we came home with an expectation, something's going to happen. And it started really, really right away, like we praying for people, and they were receiving, and we had an amazing New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve meeting. But you think, well, it's just sort of one-off, you know. And I didn't have the faith to go for it. But when I heard about Randy from a friend, I called him, invited him to come, Randy Clark, and he came, but he didn't have the faith either. He was like, well, John, John it just happened one time, so. Uh, yeah, so don't get your hopes up, so I don't know. But, but he got a prophetic word from a guy named Richard Holcomb that trust me now, trust me now, and all of that. And, and so he came with a little bit of faith, and we had a little bit of faith, and together, I think we sparked each other off. But Randy released it among us. And we knew it was God, and I just said, we're going to keep this thing going. Randy, you're not going home. Because <laughs> once, it's, once it's happening, the, the, la the last thing you want to do is carry on business as usual. You know, this, this was a breakthrough. And so Randy stayed two more days, and then Deanne said he could stay two more days, but that's it, you know. So, okay, so he, we carried on Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday and Thursday, but that's it. You need to get home, because he had about four little kids then. And so, okay, Randy's going home, and now what's going to happen? Because normally the anointed speaker leaves, the Holy Spirit leaves with them. Have you ever noticed that? And it has a lot to do with our own faith and expectation, but not totally. Because we were there like, okay, God, like what's going to happen? But he came just as hard and 
strong as ever. And we realized that, you know, it was, it was, it was very contagious, but we started to figure out that we actually really did catch something in Argentina. And Randy really did catch something from Rodney Howard Brown. And together we encouraged each other and uh, we, we just said, let's keep it going until God's done. And it started to wane somewhere around the end of school, like, you know, June sometime. And our team was saying, so do you want to keep it going? And what, what did we do? And summer's coming on, so that's going to even be worse. And we're like, no, no, we keep going, guys. We keep going until the Lord says stop or until the people don't come anymore. Well, when we hit the summer, we had a big spike because now, now they, they were free to come, bring the kids, whatever. And, and so it just really, really got strong. And, and we just kept going. As long as they keep coming, we'll keep going. And so we did nightly meetings for 12 years. How did we do that? Well, we did it because we had teams from all over the place. They just came. We had a big vineyard resource with various vineyard pastors who we were, who we knew and so on at that point in time, and, and they would come. But the thing was, the Holy Spirit was very, very contagious. It was like a fire. If you got around it for three days, that was it. When you went home, your church would explode, whether you manifested like that or not. And I imagine, what happened when you came home, Cameron? Oh, well, a lot of time on the floor. Uh, you we, were. But uh, no, other people, too, a lot of people. We'd, we had a prayer meeting, like, the day we came back, or maybe the next day, and everybody ended up on the floor, and I didn't believe Christians could have demons until a few came out of me. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, maybe, maybe there's something in there. But <laughs> we started having Friday night Yeah, we had Friday night meetings. And the children were getting blasted, too, without... Visions? Anybody. Yeah, the children were getting blasted like crazy. They were having visions. They were shaking. These were sincere boys who liked to, you know, run and jump and were known for to be hard to have in Sunday school. But they were just laying out on the floor, trembling and, and smiling and worshiping God. Yeah, so many of those kids are leaders today. They're just... So, yeah, wow. I'm just waiting for that kind of a wave to hit again, times 10. It's going to be a bigger, harder, heavier wave next time. And imagine the media coverage now. See, all our stuff is live streamed, and everybody's on Facebook, and they all have their cameras, and, you know, you'd be plastered all over the Internet for that if it happened tonight. Question here. Well, if you know, how many know Randy Clark? See, Randy's like one of the most honest down-to-earth people you'll ever meet, right? And just, just a little backstory there was, uh, it, it, the word spread around. There's a revival going on to Toronto, in Toronto, and people want to know who's leading it. And it was like, well, there's 
there's the pastor there, but there's, there's another guy named Randy Clark from St. Louis. So they're discussing that in the St. Louis pastor's gathering that um, Randy would go to from time to time. And so this one guy from there said, well, I know a Randy Clark from St. Louis, but it can't be him. <laughs> because he's anything but this wind him up, hype him up kind of person. So he just gave his testimony about how he was depressed with hope deferred and yeah, just things had not gone the way he'd hoped and this and that and the other. And he just had to have a breakthrough. So he went to Rodney Howard Brown's two or three times and got really, really filled up and touched. And he just told that story and how his depression left as he got filled up with God and this and that and the other. And he just told that story. And then at the end he said, so if any of you would like me to pray for you, I'd be happy to do that. So if that's you, why don't you come on up? And uh, we're a smaller building, maybe this size, I guess. How many can you fit in here? We, yeah, it's about this size. We could shoehorn about 400 in. And, and, and that, that, that night there was like 150-ish. I don't know. Dan was there. And so he hears my version of it. I, I want to hear his version. <laughs> but my take is that like, it was normal up to that point. And normal by, by meaning nothing out of the ordinary had happened. The worship was okay, and this was okay, and the, the, the talk was okay, and everything else. But when people wanted to come up, they thought, you know, just, yeah, I think I'm going to go up and, and get prayer. It's funny. People sense when something's up. That, that's fascinating to me. I wish I was more in tune. With, oh, something's really up this time. But it always takes me by surprise. And anyway, they, they wanted to come up for prayer, and the minute they went to stand up, the Holy Spirit crashed in on us. And most of the people just hit the floor. And they're all over the place. They're... Mary Audrey, who was our women's pastor at the time, she's teaching in the next room, and she hears all this noise. And what are they doing out there? What is going on? And so finally she says, look, i got to go see what's going on over there. And so she opened the side door, and her first thought is, where is everybody? Because, <laughs> you know, you hear that kind of noise. You expect to see uh, people standing with their hands up, and they're cheering, or they're doing something. Uh, because of whatever. And she's, where are they? And she realizes they're under their chairs. They're between the rows. They're in the aisles. Well, then it hit her, and her mouth just fell open, like, and then, bam, face down. And she's there for 20, 30 minutes. Got up, could not talk. And so it was just so full on. And so my, my recollection is like the, the whole room was was just smacked by the power of God. And I knew all these people for the most part. So what what do you remember, Dan? I was I was in the front on the floor. I was there the first night and so I was on the front on the floor and I remember what John says that it it was Randy's presentation was just very well, you know, I, I think we all need more of God. And 
it'd be really good if we pray more. And uh, yeah, it was like, you know, who wants to pray more and who wants more of God? Yeah, that's a good idea. And then it just came from, from there. And uh, my personal perspective was that because it had happened in the vineyard from time to time with John Wimber in the 80s, that when it did happen, that it was, uh, my, my thought was, this is a, a renewal of the wine that God is giving to the vineyard. And surprise, surprise, God sent wine to the vineyard. What else would you expect God to send to the vineyard? Peanut butter? <laughs> I mean, I, I, and so that's, and then, and then I went, so I was there for the first two nights, and I went back to my home near Niagara Falls, which was about two hours away, and it was only about a week later that a friend told me, oh, have you been up to the revival in Toronto? I said, what revival? <laughs> what, the vineyard church? So is that still going on? So I just hopped in my car and, and I, I went right up right away. But uh, yeah, it was it was a it was just heaven opening up and God pouring down a lot of glory and manifesting it in hearts and bodies uh, on, upon His people. So yeah. you know, in uh, in Acts eight, Peter's talking about I think it's eight. Is it ten? Eight where they were in Cornelius' household. Where's that, Dan? Ten. And um, Peter's describing it. He's defending himself, really, for going into a Gentile home and everything. But he's kind of like, what was I to do? I just had to share my testimony. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them like he fell on us at the beginning. And I thought, that's just such an interesting word. Because up until that point, I don't think I would have used the word fall to describe um, what was happening. Say at a John Wimber meeting, uh, it was more like the Holy Spirit rippled through the audience or uh, the Holy Spirit touched this one or that one. But he fell on us that night. And I, I got the the connection, because it was just like there was no way people were going to get away on him. He was just boom. And see, so we, we figured out that when the Holy Spirit comes on you like that, there's, there's something uh, that can be powerfully debilitating about the Holy Spirit when he comes on you. Now, we shouldn't be surprised, because we're talking about God coming on you big time. But yet, because... It's not in our history, and we don't have any reference to it usually. Then we're shocked that God would come, and people are debilitated, and they act like they're drunk. And so, so many funny stories and manifestations that um, are very, very entertaining, but very uh, full of prophetic insight as well. So we quickly learned to love the manifestations because that always led to something. And uh, deep healing or emotional healing, marriage is healed, bodies healed, relationships healed, people falling in love with Jesus at a whole new level. And so, yeah, 
That sold me. I'm in. Good. Did that answer that? That was your question, wasn't it? Yeah. Did I answer that? Okay. Sometimes you can get on a rabbit trail and never answer the question. <laughs> Any other questions, folks? Yes. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not a big manifester. And I'm happy about that. <laughs> you know, in a way, why would you want to lie in the doorway laughing out of control <laughs> everybody everybody laughing at you? I mean, I don't know. But, but anyway, I have had my, my turn. And uh, the biggest thing for me happened years before, in 74, when I went to uh, Israel for the first time and went to a conference there. And, and uh, yeah, David Duplessis, um, among others, just really convicted me with his talk about uh, judgmentalism and prejudice towards other groups. Because, you know, I'd looked at all the Catholics and Presbyterians and everything all up on the platform thinking, what have they got all those guys up there for? They're probably not even saved. And so he, he just shot my heart absolutely full of arrows. Like, why can't you love them? And I was just undone by the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm, just, I'm just sobbing and blubbering uncontrollably for most of that week. Uh, and I, couldn't, I just couldn't get it together. People would just say the slightest little thing and I'd just, I'd just be gone, which is totally not like me. But that, that happened. And then at night, when we go back to the hotel, I'm just reflecting on the day and these waves of heaven started coming over me. Uh, just waves of love and uh, the presence of God that I, I didn't think I was going to live through it. So that was the big one for me. But then when we're in the revival, we, we had previously planned to go and do a, a healing seminar in a nearby city, Hamilton. And so, um, so this is about two weeks in, and we, Carol and I went to Hamilton. And uh, yeah, right at the end, uh, this little gal, I never, I'd love to meet her again. She was a skinny little gal, about 22 years old. And she's this guy. I, I think I have a word for you. And we're just leaving. And so I'm standing by a column in the building, and I said, okay, well, go ahead and share it. And she, and she delivered this poem uh, prophetically. And it was almost like a rap, you know, and she's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and I'm looking at her like, how does she do that? I've never heard anybody <laughs> prophesy in poetry before. And it just got all over me, and, and I just grabbed hold of the column and spiraled down to the ground. Oh, my word. And Carol's looking at me like, what's going on? What's happened to you? Well, um, I got up from that, and okay, it's like about 12.30 at night. And so we went out into the parking lot in my, my 
key fob wasn't working to open the door, so I had to use the key. And you know what? I couldn't get the key in the lock. I was like, two or three tries that, to do that, and then the laughter hit me. And I'm laughing out in the middle of this parking lot, saying to myself, what are you laughing at? There's nothing funny. Then I, I had another, one other thought that I remember. It was, your mouth is open so wide. <laughs> well, anyway, I finally got the key in the car and drove, and we wanted a drink of some kind. The only place open, McDonald's, we'd go in there. And doesn't it hit me again, right in McDonald's? So, so, so those are my times. Carol, on the other hand, gets often hit. And so we take her home in the snow, walking on the sides of her feet, <laughs> walking on her ankles. I mean, what's up with that? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, she's got lots of them, lots of stories. But very often, there's no more to it than you responding to the power of the Holy Spirit that's going through you. So it doesn't have a meaning other than you reacting to power. So I tell people, listen, if someone handed you two electric wires and said, hey, hang on tight to these, I'm going to plug it in, you might shout or, or jump or laugh. I don't know what you would do, but you, you would react to the electricity, and that's merely electricity. So imagine if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and you can't let go. Right? That's about 90% of it, or 95. But then it'll cross over into prophetic symbolism. And that's where we lost a lot of people. Because they're just processing manifestations. Okay, they're falling down and they're laughing. Okay. I guess it's okay. It's the joy of the Lord. You know, there, is a, there are scriptures on the joy. And, but then when, when the lions started roaring... And uh, the odd dog barked. That's when we started really catching it. Now, in fairness, in our church, I have seen about four people bark. I realize there are many, but out of four million, I only saw four. So I didn't think it was a problem. One in a million, hey. We got bigger issues that we're trying to deal with here. But it made great copy. And, uh, but the lion's roaring, that, that was a different thing. So if it's, you know, the people said, well, why didn't you stop it? Because we did stop some things that we didn't feel comfortable about. And it's mostly not the, the situation, but it's the person. So why don't you stop everybody who prophesies in your church? Why do we judge prophecy? Because not everybody's on, right? And why do, we, why do we give direction to the people who are waving the flags and say, no, I don't want you up on the platform every week waving your flag and telling me that God told you to go up there and do it. If you want to wave your flag, you can go off to the side or to the back or else sit down. But you're not going to say no flags. Right? Yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, we didn't stop everything, of course. 
And we, we did stop some stuff that we didn't feel comfortable with. But people said, well, why didn't you stop it? And I said, well, because I felt like it was God. Yeah. Well, then the next question, how could it possibly be God? Barking? Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> well, I don't know, but uh, why do dogs bark? How many have a dog? Why does your dog bark? Like someone at the door? So, do you know anybody who's at the door? See, the kids get it, but the people are like, we're not in the Bible, you know, and they're just really, really missing it. And I realize that's weak and it's lame and everything, but, uh, but there is a warning, like dogs are supposed to warn, and there's a warning scripture. And so there's a warning side to it as well. And lions roaring. And uh, we did find one on that, like the lion has roared, who can but prophesy? remember that verse? And so, uh, but the first brush with it, how many have heard this stuff before? When Gideon Chu came, he roared like a lion, and I wasn't there, and so I didn't really believe them. I thought they should have taken him out for deliverance, whoever he was. But when I figured it out, when I got home, no, he's, he's a very well-known, reputable Chinese leader from Vancouver. And uh, I asked him to share. And so he took the mic and he, he says, well, I came fasting and praying because I heard God is moving and I want more. And when I got here, the Lord said, stop fasting. This is a feast. I want you to get in and eat and drink. And so as he's sharing all that, he suddenly went into this whole lion thing. And he's roaring loudly over the front row, lunging at them like, rawr, 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 and he's going around. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they weren't kidding. He's roaring like a lion. But then he took the microphone and he said, you know, my Chinese people have been absolutely destroyed for thousands of years by the power of the dragon. But now... The lion of the tribe of Judah is going to crush him. And everybody just cheered and, and they all figured it out. God, God has just given us an acted parable here. Because see, if he had just prophesied, we'd have been all fine. Yeah. Thus saith the Lord, the lion of Judah will crush the dragon over China. Great, we believe with you, brother. But because he acted it out, that freaked everybody. And then we quickly went to the Anaheim Vineyard. That would have been June. So in July of 94, we're invited to a really impromptu conference in Anaheim called Let the Fire Fall. And oh my gosh, did the fire fall or what? And we had, I can't tell you how many lions roaring. And, and, and it just blew everybody away. They didn't know what to make of it. And uh, a number of things. I remember another young man who pastors in Switzerland now and his father with him in, in Germany and Switzerland and so on. And so um, we knew the father a little bit and 
met the, the kid for the first time. But as we prayed for him, he went like the Incredible Hulk. Remember that? Where he's just, you know, just sort of pumped himself up. And then, you know. And so I, I, I can remember getting up there calling for testimony, saying, hey, Marius, are you here? Where are you, man? He's way at the back. He's waving. I said, let's get up here quick. I'll tell the people what's, what's happening to you. And you know what? It was almost like he's in slow motion. He's loping like three stairs at a time down out of the, out of the, the stairway down on that church. Boom, boom, boom. He comes up on the platform and then he's like, and then he's like, you know, and everybody's like, ooh, my goodness. It just, just scared them. And it's funny now looking back on it because you got all these super cool vineyard guys. Like, oh yeah, we, we got we got this Holy Spirit thing worked out, you know. And it blew them away. And me too, because we didn't know what it was. But it's kind of like the manifestations of some of those creatures that are around the throne. The the the, the lion, the eagle, the ox, and the man slash angel and we've seen them all like carol's done the whole eagle thing and different ones have done the ox thing charging and and you think what does it mean i don't know it just means that the holy spirit is releasing his presence and so our job is to say lord what are you trying to say and not stop it necessarily and uh and, and so why we even talk about it, this is 22 years ago, is because it is going to happen again. And it's going to happen in your church. And you're going to have to deal with it. Right? So I used to tell pastors, okay, you've all read about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Now, when something like that happens in your church, this young man gets blasted by the Holy Spirit and now he's blind what are you going to tell his mother because she wants to know what the heck are you running over there that blinds people right relax mom it's the Holy Spirit <laughs> yeah and so anyway God's amazing we love it yes question where did I see a hand over here yeah. I just had a church uh, I made my first trip to Toronto in January of 95. I was a Mennonite pastor. January 95. Mennonite pastor came to Toronto. I was hungry enough that I took the chance to go. But all of the, what I'd heard didn't really fit my theology very well. And the first night kind of scared me. But when you, you got up and spoke after the worship and you said something that changed my, my whole perspective, you said, T we tell people, take a movie, not a snapshot. Yeah. What matters is what, what happens when they get off the floor. Yeah. And that changed my whole perspective. And I knew I went home from there different. I, I didn't have a lot of the like you. I don't have a lot of manifestations. I've had some. She's had more. 
but that made the difference for me. That's, that just, it was like I was open. Yes, God, I want to see, I want my life to be changed. I went home knowing something had changed inside of me. And so after that, it's like, okay, I can, I can live with stuff that I don't understand because I want to see something change in me. Yeah. See, it's the kind of stuff that, that Menno was doing. Right? Most denominations have started with revival, and, and the manifestations almost always accompany it. So Menno started the Mennonite movement. And uh, then after a while, you settle down and get your tradition and become normal, well-behaved, in, ineffective Christians. <laughs> But this needs to be explained, doesn't it? Like when, when all this stuff is going. And so, yeah. But what I loved was the fruit of it. I love the, the manifestations too. Like they're incredible. We've seen some great ones. I remember in Australia, the, the Pentecostal superintendent from the, from the area there in Queensland, he came along with his wife. Now, he'd been to Sunderland, but she hadn't. And so he brought her, and we're in this meeting. I don't even know where it was, um, but, but they, the place wasn't big enough, so they ended up renting this sales barn that, you know, was kind of a community center slash sales barn. But you could, you could tell it wasn't all that long ago that there'd been animals in there and everything. <laughs> but they had, they had the place full, and... Um, and we had these people who were islanders from Thursday Island. You know what their cook named them? You know, there's Monday Island and Tuesday Island, whatever, and then there's Thursday Islands. And they were the most sensitive people I'd run across up to that point. I mean, they were just sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You just look at them and they'd be out under the anointing, you know. Well, they were, they were just going off all over the room. And this lady was all dressed to the nines. She had a really nice suit on, and she looked smart. You know how, how Pentecostal ladies dress sometimes. They're just dressed for church. I mean, you know. And she's sitting on the front row, and her eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's wondering, what on earth have I gotten myself into here? Where is this going to go? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in the crazy house institution, and the inmates are running the institution, that kind of a look, you know. Well, suddenly she just flew up in the air. She did a somersault and landed in an empty chair three rows back. So I looked over at Carol. I'm preaching by this point, and Carol's sitting there. God, did you just see what I see? She's like, Unbelievable. And she just sat there frozen. How many would like one of those? I'd like to see it. And you know, another one was was a guy that um, a famous evangelist had as one of his soloists, and so he came to check it out. And. Uh, I never met him till the next day, and so he's, he's telling me the story. 
But he said, I came and I, I heard and, and, and I got prayer. And then after, I was just, just wandering around, just seeing what was going on. But he said, I got so annoyed because one after another, people were saying to me, are you okay? Can I help you? And he's like, no, I'm fine, thanks. And again, are you okay? Can I help you? No, I'm fine. And by the 10th time, he's like, what's the matter with you people? I keep telling you I'm okay when you leave me alone. Mm, okay. He said, it wasn't until I went to leave and, and get in the van with my friends to go home that I realized the entire night I'd been walking around on my knees. <laughs> And, you, and I said to him, so didn't it occur to you that you were, you know, a lot shorter than everybody else? What was, what's up with that? So this, this whole perspective is off. And, and I bet you the Lord had him back like in a, in a childhood mode wow. where he's like a little boy just going around and uh, probably had his daddy God by the hand. He's looking at everything. And he doesn't realize he's walking on his knees. It's amazing. I love that. Question? Yeah. Uh, I'm a pastor in Ludington, uh, about two and a half hours from here. And just want to position my church to a place of revival. And I'm super attracted to the, verb, like when you verbalize it, like the Holy Spirit fell and it came and it kind of came with surprise. Yes, want that. But then I also look at our outpourings and traditionally it's like the contending, the crying out for revival, the, like the Luke 18 widow who just keeps pounding. And then like you can look at all these outpourings and you can see that there has been, it's been preceded by just an outcry and a desperation. So I struggle a little bit with that. Like part of me wants to, you know, okay, we're going to cancel everything we're doing and we're going to just cry out for revival until it comes. Mm -hmm. And the other one, a part of me is going, you know, that becomes works. Mm -hmm. So I struggle with works versus grace. I'm not sure if this is a question, but if you could address that. What was the run-up for us? There's more to the story than just the camp and the prophecies. There was, we went along to a Benny Hinn meeting in Toronto like a year and a half before. And I've known him for a long time. I've known Benny for 40 years. He started in Toronto, right? So I've known him a long time. And we, we went to the meeting and because we had been out of the city for a long time. And so we're back in Toronto, let's see, 90s. I'm not even sure we'd moved back by it by then, but anyway, soon. And uh, we, we went along to the meeting, and at the end, he prayed for us. And the, the meeting was great. We saw the lame walk and the blind see, and about a thousand people came to Jesus. It was just great. And a big meeting, you know, 15,000, 16,000 there. And, uh, and Carol got blasted by him backstage after the fact. I mean, he prayed for the three of us who were together, and we're all down, but she got completely, completely wrecked and could not walk, and she's just electrified. She's just, you know, and, 
and she's, her hands are, there's so much anointing on them, they're almost painful. And she's trying to almost rub it off, and she goes on her legs, and ah, I can't do that because then that fire would go through, through her legs. So she's just not knowing what to do. And I'm saying, baby, just stay under it. This is what we want. Come on. I'll get you home. Don't worry. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we go home, and, and she's just the whole time. So we said, God, we have to have this. And he said, if you're serious, I, I give you two things to do. Number one, I want your mornings. Number two, spend time with those who are anointed, which is why we went to Argentina, because revival was down there. And we thought, give them our mornings. Like, how, how's that going to work? I mean, there's just Jeremy and me and part-time accountant and a girl part-time answering the phone. I mean, you know, we, you know, when you're church planning, you're it, kind of, right? Yeah. And, but we said, okay, we're going to do it. And Jeremy was fine with that. And we, we would have between one and three, sometimes more, t- hours with the Lord just in the morning. Well, what did you do? Well, we'd read the Bible. We would pray. We would worship. We would read devotionals out loud. We just spent time in his presence. And it was time where, you know, we, we kind of stopped asking him for stuff and just spent time with him. We just fell in love with him all over again. I mean, that was, as far as, you know, if, if there was anything we did that contributed to it, that would be it. We tried to believe the prophetic words, but it just sounded like you're going to the moon. And so it just kind of happened. But when it happened, we were not about to let go. And the amazing thing is, so many people didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, it's just excess. Oh, Toronto's mixed blessing. Yeah, we, my school is, is Tyndale. But it was when I went, Ontario Bible College. And there's a, prof- a professor from there who would come. And he, fi- he finally wrote a book about it called Toronto's Mixed Blessing. And here's what he would do. He would come in late at night, somewhere around 10, 1030. You know, he, he would say, I've been there about 40 times. But every time, to my knowledge, he would come late. So he was never there for the worship. He was never there for the testimonies. He was never there for the preaching. He only came to the ministry time, and he'd wander around looking for excess. Oh, there's a guy barking right there. There's a guy roaring right there. There's a guy, like, shaking over there. Like, and, and so he, his observation was, this can't be God. But he never heard any of the testimonies that told about what happened when you got up and, and the aftermath of that. And so he became an authority on it. Isn't that amazing? And so there's lots of people um, want to come up with some reasons why uh, you should distance yourself from that kind of emotionalism. And I'm telling you, this was not emotionalism. It was the intensity of the power and the presence of God that was changing lives and in that first year we we went from 
I don't know, about seven salvations a year to something like 700. And people got saved when they came out of curiosity. And, and they got healed. And Brenda Kilpatrick was one of them. She came with Lyndall Cooley and uh, got on the prayer lines. And the Holy Spirit came on her. When she got up, her back was healed. And she went back to, to home to... Uh, Pensacola and told her husband they, they were already in prayer meetings but now the Holy Spirit starts really showing up and that just um, got all that happening and, and, and Steve Hill who was in Russia heard about it and so went to HTB in England got prayer there got touched there and stopped by Toronto on his way home which he never told publicly but he told us privately and just to verify, he offered to be Carol's catcher wow. one night. And so he's catching for all, the, all these people, you know, for her. And at the end of the night, she prayed for him. And his wife and he told me that when she prayed for him, he flew about 20 feet. Boom, hit the wall and slid down, just kind of completely gone. That's good, isn't it? You just got hit. So this is not the power of suggestion, friends. This is the promise of the Father. You're going to be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. In God, the Holy Spirit, you're going to be immersed. Wow. What's that going to do for you? You'll be lucky to live through that one, won't you? Good. Yeah, the back. Well, we were desperate for a bigger place. And because uh, we, we, we could only accommodate uh, maybe 700 with the overflow. And people didn't really like the overflow because they're watching it on a big screen over there. They like to be in the room. And so we needed a bigger place. And we just had all these people coming. And we had a real problem because we had visitors from all over the world. And so on Sunday morning, they're in line at 6 a.m. And so by the way, we'd open the doors at 10, and our people would turn up at 10.25, and there's no parking, and there's no chairs left, and there's this crowd and trying to still get in. And see, one or two weeks of that is kind of funny, but month after month after month, you can't get in your own church. And they're starting to say, well, I don't know about this revival. I mean, what happened to our church? I mean, we don't have a church anymore. Wow. So I'm like, God, we've got to have a bigger place. We tried renting the banquet hall, but they didn't want to rent it on the weekends because weddings paid more than we did on that. And so we would get it like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we'd have to move back for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, we just thank God we have to have it. Long story short, but the Atwell Center, they wanted, I uh, can't remember, something like $5 million for it. And, uh, and we're like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. But eventually, uh, we put an offer in. I remember walking around the place, Wesley Campbell saying, John, you've got to get a bigger place. I know, I know. 
Yeah, well, let's look around. And so we're going, here's the one we have in mind. Oh, yeah, this is it, bro. This is it. We're, he's walking around. Yeah, yeah, this is it. You got to have this place. God, we got to have this place. Okay, but like it's $5 million and we don't have any money. But anyway, so we put an offer in. And you know what? Uh, the realtor never even got back to us. They just sold it to somebody else. So you know how it is when you're looking for a property, you kind of drive by and you're dreaming still. And then I see a sign out front, sold, Asian, uh, Asian, uh, Asian Center, it was called, or something. Uh. So now we're doing a conference again at the hotel. And the hotel manager says, you guys have outgrown our ballroom. You know, we... We, would, you, would you consider um, taking a place off-site? And we'll rent it for you, but, you know, it'll just be off-site. So we said, uh, really? Okay, well, what have you got in mind? He said, the Atwell Center. I said, what? That's sold. He said, no, it didn't go through. I went, wow. Do you know about the death of a vision? You know, it's a principle all through scripture. So anyway, long story short, we bought it now from the mortgage company directly for $2.2 million. And uh, a million of it went to back taxes, which is why the other deal folded, because they weren't willing to just throw away a million bucks. But it had to have that cleared before they could, um, really, you know, the title was free. So. Anyway, we, we got it, and uh, it closed on, on our one-year anniversary. Wow. And I don't know where the money came from, but the deal was a million dollars down. And so the day came, and the lawyer's on the phone saying, I need your check. And we're like, uh, how about... 400,000 down, and we will pay you 100,000 a month on a second, secondary note uh, because they, they had agreed to hold the mortgage for us. And they came back and said, no, 600,000 down and 100,000 for four months. And we said, done. And I don't know where the money came from, but we scraped together everything we had, and we delivered them 600000 and we moved in. And then in about uh, three months on from that, the building beside us came for sale, and we said, we've got to have that too. And we bought that. That's our office and school now. And then a year later, when we were having our school of ministry, we bought the one down at Atwell, uh, on so no on Marmac uh, for another million dollars, and uh, so then, then we had the three of them. So where the money came from, I don't know. Just the revival and all their visitor friends from around the world were kind enough to to buy those buildings for us. Isn't that nice? <laughs> then we had to fix the thing up. We spent another couple of million doing that. <laughs> But it's just amazing. 